Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes graphic descriptions of animal abuse and violence. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Dogs are often referred to as man's best friend. They play with us, care for us, they can even protect us. But sometimes we aren't the best listeners. We dismiss a bark, a whine, or a cry, shrugging it off as attention-seeking behavior. But you should be careful what you ignore. You never know what might be lurking in the closet. Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Today, we examine the horrors of a home invasion from a very different perspective. But Choking Doberman focuses on one dog's desperate attempt to save his owner from harm. But his warnings go unheeded until both of them face serious danger, danger that was lurking in their apartment the entire time. The Choking Doberman is very much a regional tale. The dog breed changes, as does the reason the owner acquired the animal in the first place. But the through line remains consistent. A woman lives alone with the dog. The dog has to be sent to the hospital for breathing problems or choking. When the vet discovers the grisly cause of the animal's distress, the woman finds herself in a race against time to protect herself from a threat within her own home. The story's level of detail makes it feel plausible, and the fear of the story is tied into relatable worries concerning home invasion and isolation. After all, there's nothing scarier than finding out your last layer of protection has been taken away, especially when they injured themselves trying to keep you safe. Lori loved her dog more than life itself. She'd had a hell of a time convincing her landlord to let her keep Mikey, but it was worth it. The instant she'd seen his face at the Humane Society, she knew that he was her dog. While her landlord had been able to look past the lease's restrictions on supposedly aggressive breeds and see how kind he was, other people weren't so understanding. When he was upset, he would snarl and bark, flashing sharp teeth. 
she'd had people scream and back up in terror. Sometimes they glared at her or told her to keep her dog under control. She had to stop herself from angrily telling them he was under control. He'd never hurt anyone. It was just a panic response. She wasn't about to punish him for his own feelings. It wasn't his fault that he was a Doberman. Besides, dogs could always tell what a person's true intentions were. Mikey had seen the worst of humanity. He knew the darkness that lurked behind people's kind smiles. Lori didn't blame the rescue dog for not trusting strangers. On every nightly walk, he kept his eyes peeled for danger. His ears stood straight up on alert. If people got too close to him, she scooped him up and held all 65 pounds of him like an overgrown toddler. Overall, it had been a success. Walking close to midnight tended to help too. Lori sighed with contentment as she opened the door to the tiny studio they shared. The window unit air conditioner hummed loudly, hitting the two of them with a blast of cool air as they entered. It was an older space, filled with little useless nooks and crannies, but she loved the vintage feel of it all. She unclipped Mikey's leash from his harness. As he walked around, checking the corners of the apartment, she headed towards the kitchen for some water. The window over her sink was open. She closed it back up, giving the room a once-over. When she was sure that everything was in order, she went back to the fridge. Mikey didn't follow her into the kitchen as usual, even when she shook his bowl with his prepared midnight snack. Unnerved, she went looking for him. He stood in a corner, barking, loudly. She tried to soothe him, but he grew more aggressive. He flashed his canines, drool dripping down onto the carpet as he growled. Lori gave him some space, hoping he would calm down. Eventually, he came over to stand at her feet, but his eyes kept wandering back towards the corner. She distracted him with treats and gentle pats. He was probably just tired. Being around people took a lot out of him. She got ready for bed while Mikey stayed on the small couch. His ears stayed up on high alert. She tried to call him to her, but he just whined. Lori didn't remember turning the tub on, but it was dripping all the same. She shut it off, humming to herself as she finished the rest of her nighttime routine. It was easy to forget the little details with Mikey around. He required a lot of attention. She climbed into bed and called for Mikey to join her. He barked loudly. She tried again. When he wouldn't come, she gave up. She was tired. It was late. He would make his way to the bed when he was ready. Her sheets smelled different. The lingering scent of pine and citrus clung to her covers. She shuffled around the bed, smelling different spots. The scent faded in and out in different areas. It was most heavily concentrated by her head, as if someone else had slept there. She stared into the darkness. Nothing moved. Lurie reminded herself that Mikey had already checked the apartment. There was nothing to worry about. Mikey darted towards the corner closest to her bed. He sniffed at the air, his mouth widening into a snarl. Lori climbed off the bed and went to Mikey's side. His body shook violently, growls becoming more frequent. 
He leaped into the air, teeth gnashing at something Lori couldn't see. Then he went still. Lori flipped on the closest light switch. Mikey's nose twitched as he sniffed at the floor. She followed behind him, checking under the bed and the few other pieces of furniture she owned. There was nothing underneath them but slim boxes. No room for someone to hide. Mikey stopped at the closet. He strained against the door, his paws clawing at the ground. She opened the door slowly for him. He stopped on the threshold, his gaze darting around the small space. Mikey wouldn't let Lori enter the closet to pull the chain on the overhead light. So they stood in the darkness. She watched the chain float back and forth. Ever since she'd moved in, there was a draft in the closet that seemed to move about the space at will, impossible to find or stifle. Mikey wouldn't stop staring at the back corner of the closet. Lori didn't see anything but clothes and a few boxes. Her eyes were growing heavy with sleep. She needed to rest. Lori left the door open and crawled back into her bed. She blew a kiss towards Mikey, but he didn't even turn his head. He just stared into the darkness, haunches tight, tail pointed, ears straight up. She fell asleep mid-whistle, still trying to coax him to bed. Hours later, she heard him. Somewhere between the land of dreams and reality was her dog. He was growling again. She tried to quiet him down, but he grew more aggressive. The noises grew in pitch and frequency. He was upset. Then, silence fell, still as a church. Lori told herself that the dog had worn himself out. She turned over and let her dreams carry her away again. But they quickly became nightmares. Mikey was running in a field, and the air shimmered around him in the twilight. There was a monster beside him. It had large spikes growing out of its head, a face full of teeth, bright red eyes. It was keeping pace with Mikey, heading straight for her. She ran farther ahead. The monster's heavy footfalls started to recede into the distance. Lori stopped to catch her breath. She looked back along the lonely stretch of beach she hadn't even noticed surrounded her. The monster stood with his back to her. Mikey was missing. She called for him. The monster turned around. Mikey's torso was hanging out of its mouth. Lori sat up, breathing hard. Mikey was curled up on her bed, sleeping soundly. She watched him for several minutes. He was so quiet now. She was glad he'd found calm. He was always so nervous, she worried about his heart. She went back to sleep. Mikey was coughing, hard. Lori opened her bleary eyes, momentarily forgetting where she was. She patted his stomach, but he shrank away from her touch. He tried to bark, but the sound came out strangled, like he was forcing it around something. Then she saw the trail of blood. It pooled around Mikey's spot on the bed, but it flowed from the bed to the closet. She wanted to investigate, to figure out what he could have gotten up to in there. 
but his wheezing got worse, and she couldn't bear his suffering a moment longer. Lori grabbed her clothes and yanked on her shoes. She cooed at Mikey, pulling him gently into her arms. She was in such a hurry rushing out of the apartment with him that she forgot to lock the door. As her steps receded, something stirred in the darkness, waiting. Coming up, Lori finds a different sort of beast in her apartment. Now back to the story. Lori rushed into the emergency clinic with her dog in her arms. She wondered if her unease in her apartment earlier was some sixth sense detecting poor Mikey's suffering. But still, she missed the signs. She hadn't gotten him help until she found him in a pool of blood on the floor. She couldn't lose Mikey. They'd only had each other for a year. Mikey squirmed as the vet took him from Lori's arms. She held her breath, watching them carry him away from her. She asked for constant status updates. They explained to her that his airway was partially obstructed, so they needed to do some scans before doing anything. She nodded vigorously, reaching for her wallet. It was gone. Somehow, in her panicked rush to the clinic, she had left it behind in her apartment. The receptionist reassured her. Go home, get some rest, they said. They'd call her in a few hours, and Mikey would be right as rain. Lori wanted to stay more than anything, but she knew she'd need her wallet to check Mikey out and bring her poor baby home. So she went. She didn't sleep. She just sat, staring down at Mikey's toys on the floor until the sun rose. She wasn't used to seeing her dog that riled up and didn't like that she couldn't calm him down. Most of all, it unnerved her that she hadn't noticed the pain he was in until there was blood everywhere. She was an awful pet parent, and she didn't know how to make it up to him. She tried to eat the leftovers she had in the fridge, but swallowing just reminded her of Mikey's own troubles, the pain he must still be in. She half-heartedly sipped a ginger ale. Lori gathered up the bloody sheets and shoved them into the wash. She came back for a sip of soda. The can was a few centimeters off from where it had been moments ago. It left a shiny wet ring on her glass table next to the drink. She blinked, confused. <laughs> Maybe she'd been fidgeting. Realizing she would not be able to keep any food down, she headed towards the sink and garbage. The scent of pine was overwhelming in the kitchen. That same smell from her bedroom. Had Mikey rolled in something when she wasn't looking? She opened the garbage can, scraping the last bits of her meal from three days ago into the bag. As the lid fell back down, she saw something dark red near the bottom. She grimaced and decided it was an issue for tomorrow. She checked her phone again, hoping for a call from the pet hospital. But all she saw were social media notifications from people she didn't even know. She dug around under the sink until she found a brush and some carpet cleaner. The amount of blood from Mikey's accident this morning had been overwhelming. She could still catch snatches of the iron scent as she walked through the space, and she wanted things to be clean and safe for Mikey when he got home. Her poor dog, throwing up blood. 
She tried not to think about the dream she'd had that night. Her dog's torso inside the monster's mouth. Blood dripping down the front of him. Mikey's blood. Lori bent down on the floor and sprayed the carpet cleaner. The trail went straight towards the closed closet door. She paused, her scrub brush suspended just above the carpet. The door had been open the night before. She had made sure of it. Mikey wouldn't leave the closet, so she'd left it open for him. The mysterious draft went across the closet, not through it. It couldn't have been the wind. She stood up silently and approached the closet, telling herself she was being silly, paranoid. Lori turned the handle slowly. The squeak of the metal doorknob made her heart jump into her throat. The door slid open softly, the carpet muffling its noise. Drops of blood dotted the floor in a strange, erratic pattern. They clustered closer to the back of the closet, with darker drops peppered around the front. She crawled into the space, keeping her eyes peeled for more blood. Some of her clothes had been moved around. Boxes were just slightly out of place. Either Mikey had made a mess of things in here overnight, or someone else had. Lori shook her head, wanting to laugh at herself. A few moved objects didn't prove anything, except that she was rushing around that night, panicked. She wished the vet would call her back. Mikey had a way of making her feel safe. Nothing could harm her when he was around. Lori crawled back to the carpet spray and covered the few spots of blood she could easily reach with the cleaner. She scrubbed each spot with the brush. A strange electronic beep sounded somewhere in the apartment. She looked up. Lori had always used custom ringtones, but that was a default ringer someone else's phone. Lori stood up. She glanced around her apartment, looking for anything that might be truly out of place. But everything was frustratingly normal. She was just on edge because of Mikey. It wasn't common for a dog to lose that much blood. Yet he hadn't looked gaunt or tired in the morning. Outside of his coughing, he'd been energetic, almost relieved. He'd even wanted to stick his nose out of the window of the car. Lori picked up the phone. The vet's nurse had a timid voice. She asked if Lori had any company over recently. Lori hadn't. Then she asked if there had been anything unusual on their last walk. Lori couldn't recall anything out of the ordinary. Had there been anything different in the apartment lately? Lori thought of the cup, the closet, the ringtone. A million little things that didn't quite add up in her brain, but they'd sound paranoid if she said it out loud. No, she told the nurse, nothing out of the ordinary. There was a long sigh on the other line. The nurse explained that the blood on Mikey's fur couldn't have belonged to him. He showed no signs of abrasions or bleeding, Lori was confused. He couldn't be covered in some other dog's blood. She never let him near other dogs. The nurse cleared her throat uncomfortably. The blood 
didn't belong to another dog. They really needed an explanation, the nurse said gently, or they'd have to call the police. They couldn't possibly think she could have abused Mikey, could they? No, nothing like that, the nurse quickly said. But had he been around any people lately, perhaps at doggy daycare? He was anxious at the vet. Did he perhaps attack anyone? Lori was too confused to answer. Mikey couldn't handle daycare. Sure, he barked, but he only snapped defensively, she protested. He would never hurt anyone. The nurse paused, unsure how to put it. There were human fingers in her dog's throat. Lori's stomach sank. She kept Mikey away from people. It was always just the two of them, alone in her apartment, which meant... The phone slipped from Lori's hand, cracking on the tile floor of the kitchen. She crouched down to collect it with shaking hands. A pair of brown shoes walked up to her, speckled red with blood. Slowly, Lori raised herself up, barely breathing. She stepped forward to run. The wood grain of a baseball bat swung towards her face, colliding with her nose. She felt it break. Her legs gave out and she crashed to the ground. Her head cracked the tile beneath her. The intruder's blurry form stood over her. A mutilated hand clamped over her mouth. Lori scrambled, trying to get up. She saw the outline of the bat being raised over her head, right before it came crashing down. Her fingernails slid on the tile, and her head hit the floor again. She begged for her life, offering to give him anything that he wanted. He told her in a whisper that his fingers couldn't be fixed, not after the stumps had been mangled by her dog. He raised the bat in his one good hand and brought it back down on her skull. She couldn't move. She could barely see. The bat swung down again. Printed versions of The Choking Doberman first showed up in June of 1981, but many anecdotal tellings have been dated as early as the mid-1950s. Several newspapers tried to verify the names and details of the story, publishing under tongue-in-cheek titles like Reporter's Dogged Search Reveals Some Hard-Bitten Truths. The truth, unfortunately, is that there is no truth at all. There are no reported incidents of home invaders being revealed thanks to a visit to the veterinarian. Folklorist Jan Harald Brunvand posited the reason these more modern urban legends flourish is because they have enough details to sound real. People give specific names of the victim, breed of the dog, and the exact location of the burglar in the house. These details, combined with the topical content of a rising transient population, alarming crime rates, and the difficulties with the criminal justice system, make them an easy sell to the public. People want to believe that having a guard dog is enough to protect them from a home invasion. Like several of the other urban legends we've discussed, Brunvant saw this particular legend as a means of reinforcing patriarchal norms. The woman is only saved because she has an aggressive protector in the house with her, 
It's another reminder that women are in constant danger, and they can't trust that even their most sacred spaces, like their bedrooms, are safe from criminals. This isn't to say that there haven't been incidents of squatters secretly living in homes or apartments without their primary occupant's knowledge. For instance, in 2013, 73-year-old Velma Kellen was staggered when a furnace repairman told her that he had found evidence that someone had been living in the crawlspace of her house in Yelm, Washington. Very rarely are these squatters violent, and many of the intruders leave before they're even discovered. But the fear of unknowingly sharing a space with someone is a primal one. If a home is unsafe, is it even a home at all? So check every nook and cranny when you first move in. Check early and often. Maybe get a dog. And always listen when they start barking. You never know who might be watching when the lights go out. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend and on Thursday with a new Haunted Place. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite podcast originals like Haunted Places for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Richet. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>